0: Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. We got a two-parter here on the program today here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Go check out all the other great shows all across the Blue Wire Pod Network. Whether that's long shot with Duncan Robinson, green light with Chris Long, Wire receiver one with Chris Carter, um, just all kinds of great shows all across the Blue Wire Pod Network. Um, so go check all those out if you have not already done so as well. Um, on today's show, we got a two-parter. As I uh, mentioned to kick things off here, we got uh, to start things off. Uh, we got Fangraphs John Taylor to talk about uh, the Braves and their hot win streak. Casey Mize going down for the year for the Tigers. Uh, it's a time for Tony LaRusa to move on in Chicago, the Jays losing Ryu for the season, uh, and a lot more uh, with John Taylor. That's how we'll start things off here on hour one, here on the Wednesday, June 15th, 2022 edition of the Chase Most Podcast. Uh, coming up right after hour two, uh, we got uh, Pitt Panthers coverage. Yeah, Panthers layer with Jim Hammett to talk all things Pitt, um, Jordan Addison, Slovis, Whipples, Departure. Um, the Tennessee Pit game coming up this fall, but that's coming up after this on uh, the next uh, episode, hour two here on this very few. But guess what? If you're subscribed on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or however, you get your podcasts, you will not miss any of today's shows. So make sure you're subscribed. So you do not miss any of those said shows. Um, don't forget you can check us out on YouTube uh, youtube.com slash Chase Podcast make sure you like and subscribe uh, all kinds of video content over there read me at sportsrenaissanceband.substack.com Wrote about uh, Tennessee baseball and uh, just kind of a reflection of where we're at a couple of days removed from their uh, upset loss to Notre Dame on Sunday so you can read that and all my sports writing over there at sportsrenaissanceband.substack.com type in an email and become a subscriber today that would be great uh, email the program at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me at chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Alright, hour one with Van John Taylor coming up in just one second. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast the Chase Thomas Podcast. <laughs> um, My nephew needs me to record. See, I hate I already hate it. I hate it. Alright, hello, and welcome back to a another edition of the chase Most podcast taping this on a tuesday afternoon it's no it's not nightfall yet because the new york city skyline is not behind john can't
1: even see what's behind me hold on i'm trying to see if i block out the sun and then quickly oh there, you kind of had it for a second it
0: seems like you're in heaven you're basically what's behind john is what a lot of folks uh describe when they have a near-death experience what they see that's what's behind john on youtube.com
1: hudson yards that's it's kind of depressing if when you die you. Go no you don't
0: yards. see any see on my end john you don't see that all you see is just a bright light that's all that's i'm seeing. Fair. yeah you got I, like a I, green I, screen for bright light
1: i encourage people if they if they do have a moment where they do see a bright light run directly toward it yes um the bright light is good
0: the bright light is good john um john it's a hot one and what i've realized i was uh on a walk last night uh with the fiance and walking around the neighborhood and there is a really nice neighbor on the corner who I always wave at. She sees me when I walk Khaleesi the dog. She sees me when I'm running around the neighborhood. She sees me when I'm taking my walk to do my planning and thinking stuff out for the day. And I always wave. The problem is, John, we have not gotten past the, the weather uh, back and forth, and then we move our, our separate ways. And mm-hmm. I, looked, I realized, because Always Sunny in Philadelphia is one of my favorite shows, that I have become the, the hot one guy. In the neighborhood where it's like, it's a hot one. And yeah. I just imagine like somebody's gonna do a Dennis Reynolds to me So at if some someone point. is
1: gonna get nude and threaten you. Yes.
0: Not it won't be a dream though, because that was no. like a dream. That was a fantasy in Dennis I, Reynolds. I mean, as far
1: as we know. Yes. The line between uh the line for Dennis Reynolds between things he actually does and thinks he things he only thinks he has done, uh seems purposefully vague in some cases. But yeah. yes, that was a dream sequence.
0: <laughs> well, I guess when you get older, John, it's just, I never thought I'd be that guy who's like, man, can you believe this weather? And that is exactly who I am in the neighborhood. See, but is... are
1: you are you doing it to total strangers, though?
0: Total strangers? No, it's more of like, you talk to me, that's my fallback, where it's okay. like, man, yeah. How about I, this weather? Yeah, that's my fallback, because generally speaking, I, I feel bad, because uh the fiance and i she she's a very very different person in terms of public settings and things like that and a lot of people misconstrue that because i host a podcast that i'm like a social butterfly and that i'm mm. an extrovert and that is the farthest thing <laughs> from for me I was gonna say, I,
1: what what about speaking into a microphone constantly usually alone makes people think that podcasting is for social people
0: I don't know, but they do. They really think it's for social people, and it's not. I no, feel like you're more are. on my end, where you're not really like the most social, but like extroverted guy.
1: No, no. I mean, I have my circle of friends, and I have yeah. my 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 social stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not out there all the time. I'm not pressing the flesh, or you know, <laughs> I, I would make a terrible politician in that regard
0: oh yeah like i would be the people would see right through me immediately like how much i don't want to meet them is just very very apparent on my face um and that's the whole thing is like it's not against them it's not against my neighbors who i sigh if i i see them there's one who i really enjoyed um he's another sam actually and he's great to talk to and he's a lot of fun um and he always has treats for khaleesi and it's fun but we know each other now, like Sam and I, we have that back and forth. We know each other. We were aligned politically. We talk about other things. Like it's just more of like one of those things where it's pretty good friendship. I, I know sure. him. I like him. I like talking to him, but that takes some time and everyone else is just not, not on that radar for me. So I just, I don't want to have the, the fake conversation for 30 seconds to a minute. Like I just, I don't have it in me. And I told, uh, the fiance, I was like, one of the funny things about us is, like, you're going to be the one who has to explain me. It, wherever we live, in the neighborhood, where someone's going to come up to you and be like, dude, do we do something? Why does Chase not like us? And she's going to have to be like, it's not that he doesn't like you. He just, he talks so on a podcast not, a lot. He just doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to hang out. You're, you know, not it's not for that,
1: you're not built for that out-of-city life. The nice thing about living no. in a city is you just you don't have to talk to anybody. It's, I always found it so weird when I've traveled outside of New York and I've been doing stuff like just buying something somewhere you know a meal or mm. something and the person i you know i'm ordering from or whoever will just tr- like kind of strike up a very casual conversation or just kind of be like how are you doing today and i'll just be like why are you talking to me right you're not don't talk to me like not in like an unfriendly like never look or speak le- never look at or speak to me kind of way mm. But just, I- I- i'm just not used to that idea of like oh hey interacting with people like just like that that that's not a skill set i have you know i gotta got to work my way into it I think.
0: Well, in the south like the southern hospitality is a real thing. And these people are nice and they're kind and they genuinely want to and connect. I and mean, that's just not how I am. I've always felt like I have like a New York uh, vibe about me where I just I do not you don't have care. any interest in that. I don't care. No. You and... got to do a
1: full Jay Cutler the next time your neighbor tries to tell you something you just lean your head back and go "Don't care." And yes. just keep going. <laughs>
0: That's how it is, man. Like I just I don't want to do it. Uh, I've uh, that in my rule. Don't get involved. Uh, we see it all the time around us. It's like, oh, don't get involved. What are you doing? That's how you yeah, get killed. That's yeah.
1: how you get killed.
0: <laughs> Sometimes, John, it is how you get killed. Uh, don't be a hero. That uh, that's my my uh, way of going about things, um, which naturally brings us to uh, a hero on the mount in oh, 1965. So Did you like that, John? It was just seamless. Seamless transition. Um, 1965. I really enjoyed this national pastime today, John. Um, Go check out nationalpastime.com if you have not already. It's a great, great uh, website to check out every day. But um, for today, my favorite one. Today in Major League Baseball history, 1965, June 14th. Quote, Red Starter Jim Maloney who strikes out 18 batters, no hits the Mets for 10 innings, but loses 1-0 nothing when Johnny Lewis connects for a homer in the 11th in Crosley Field contest in the Crosley Field contest um, in August at Wrigley Field, the right-hander will again give up no hits through the first 9 innings but records a no-hitter when his teammate Leo Cardenas? 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 Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm breaching that, so I apologize. Um, connects in the top of the ninth, providing the only run in Cincinnati's 1-0 victory over Chicago. John Maloney, he was he was getting killed. In the, he was giving it his all for Cincinnati. And just, when I read these stats, man, I just... A different era, man. These guys, eighteen strikeouts, will pitch to the twenty-third inning. Who cares? Like if our arm falls off, our arm falls off. Just a completely different thing. I, mm-hmm. I just, it's pretty wild. The well, stats funny, from this era. What's
1: funny to me about that is if you had told, if you went up to someone on the streets or to a baseball fan and said, "Hey, a guy named Jim Maloney threw a ten-inning mm. no-hitter but lost," <laughs> what year did this happen? They, I mean, just based on the name alone, I probably would have been like, uh, I don't know, eighteen ninety-six, mm. but. The stri- I mean, the strikeouts are really the only thing, though, because that continuum of baseball history from from really the beginning up until, like you're saying, through the 60s and the 70s and, and then the 80s and even into the 90s was one of just pitchers just threw an absurd amount of innings all the time. When, you know, the major change was, like I said, you know, in the early days, you didn't really strike anyone out. In the latter days, you actually started striking guys out more often. But I- I've said it before and I'll say it again. The way baseball looks and exists now is in so many ways so radically different from the sport that's existed the 100 and you know 20ish years previous particularly in that one way where the, the role of the pitcher has changed dramatically in the last 10 years uh, in the last 20 really but especially in the last 10 so it'll it'll be it's interesting to note that like we are you know as part of that conversation about you know what what in this game changes with the or what about this game better said with all the changes that have happened to this game, mm-hmm. you know the history of it and stuff like that. It's just going to seem not just more and more kind of outlandish and crazy, but we're also going to get further and further away from those things actually happening. You know, the the, the year the era where guys would throw two hundred fifty to three hundred innings in a year, the era where guys would you know throw double digit complete games. You know, the era of three hundred game winners and in four thousand career innings and, and all that stuff. That that is going to that has changed that is no longer with us anymore you know that that part of baseball does not really exist anymore Um, is it
0: okay for me to say like that's a it's not a problem because like you said it is what it is but just be like that's probably worse for the sport that's not good i mean
1: it's i don't know if you can attach a good or bad judgment to that i mean it just depends on both what what version of the sport you grew up in and you know what version of the sport you find most aesthetically appealing well i think it's just
0: easier for the fan Like, it's easier to be like, here's our guy. He's pitching seven innings. He's going to go for a while. Like, I don't have to memorize all of our bullpen arms. I don't have to wonder if an opener... One of
1: of the most frustrating things about modern-day baseball is the sheer number of faceless, mostly anonymous middle relievers, long relievers, openers, triple-A call-ups, where they're here for two minutes and then they're gone, Mm -hmm. and the great majority of them have careers that last maybe a handful of years before they float out of the game entirely. That part isn't necessarily new. I mean players have always been floating in and out of the game for short bits of uh, short bits of time but I, I do think you're right that it almost it robs us essentially of the character the yes so much of baseball has just been you know the narrative of you know if two teams face each other that that contest is personified literally by two pitchers facing each other mm-hmm. you know the batters change the batter changes with every single at-bat but the pitcher is there, inning through inning, and we, yes. we don't have that anymore. And I think, yeah, there is there is a that is a loss. I think it is a loss just in terms of you know how we like baseball as a narrative and how we like the continuity of it, and you know to have this version of baseball now where it just feels like you see a million players a game and there's no real you know interconnectedness to any of it. It's just kind of. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, again, it's, it's hard to say whether one is better or worse than the other. I mean, I certainly prefer the days when you'd see a starter go six or seven innings yeah. or throw complete games on this. Like, we all loved, you know, the days of Roy Halladay or, you know, or, or, or you know, that stretch where CC Sabathia threw like nine yeah. complete games in, a, in the second half of a season with Milwaukee. Like, we're probably never going to see anything like that again. And that's the other part of it. It's not just that this doesn't exist. It will probably never exist again. Yeah, this you're not gonna the talk way... these
0: guys into that. Like it's no, not going and I, backwards.
1: Yeah. If only because baseball players now are such a expensive commodity from mm-hmm. beginning to end, you know, from
0: You want to protect, yeah.
1: You want to protect them. You know, they they are not just players, they are an investment that these teams make, and they want to protect that investment not only for as long as they can. Well, they not only want to protect the investment for as long as they can, but they also want to extract the most they can out of it in a certain period of time. And the most efficient way to do that, at least, seems to be by having these guys throw five innings apiece, or whatever or whatever, and using as many relievers as possible, because that also fits the efficiency of baseball as what is the best way to get out, mm. you know, and that and everything that we've learned about the third time through the order, about how, you know, physical exhaustion affects your ability to pitch and all that fun stuff. That's not changing anytime soon, necessarily. And I, you know, maybe there's some team out there that has some magical plan for, training its pitchers to be you know to have more physical stamina or to have you know to, to do something with regards to pitch delivery or sequencing that mitigates the third time through the order penalty but i i think it's pretty safe to say that the version of baseball that exists now like obviously it is not the version that exists before but i think it's pretty safe to say that we're never going back to those days
0: well that's kind of um, still exists in college baseball as someone who has watched a bunch of college it baseball. does but I,
1: and I think that that is a reflection, too, of the way that, you know, those that college teams and professional teams just prioritize their guys yeah. differently. You know, for college teams, it doesn't really matter what career a dude goes on to have after they graduate. All you care about are the innings they can provide you right then and there. And well, also college, college staffs teams usually will only also... have teams usually only have like what, like three or four good pitchers. Generally, they don't they don't. I mean, you only develop it really three is or so four hard to starters. Say you have one closer you use all the time because he's mm-hmm. your best reliever by a mile and a half like it, it, that's also the case like a, ma- a major league baseball team, you know we, we can complain about oh there's so many like anonymous middling relievers but yeah every single pitcher on a major league baseball team is worlds better than any single pitcher call that the best college baseball player, the best college baseball pitcher currently on the earth. Is probably not good enough to be in the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball right now.
0: Ooh, I don't know about that. I think Ben Joyce actually might be someone they would give an inning to. I think that's he probably fair. Get some inning,
1: if only because he throws a hundred and five yes. with certain <laughs> yeah. stuff. Like, like, and Kevin Potts was kind of like
0: that last year with Arkansas. Like, I think you'll see him. Has he even been? Like, where is he at right now?
1: I, I actually, I, I don't know. That's the thing. Since I don't follow the draft, I don't necessarily know where yeah. these guys end up. I mean, the the. the most more often than not, like the only guys you'll see really make that jump quickly are are guys who were relievers in the flame
0: guys. Yeah, where they're yeah. like trying to get them in there, so they're like before the arm blows out. Like, yeah, let's just or, get him up immediately.
1: Exactly. Like a dude who throws super, like a Chris Sale, where it's like, no, we don't really have a lot of time with this guy, and like yeah. trying to make him do something different would be pointless. So, God, yeah, like Ben
0: Joyce is probably going to be in the majors like in a year or two. Like they're probably. they're hot shooting. I
1: assume like, if he's drafted by a contending team, um, they will probably put. put not rush him necessarily, but they yeah. will probably have him in the majors within a year. Especially because, as a college reliever, he's going to go straight to high A. You know, mm-hmm. there's no real point to having him waste time in rookie ball or in yeah. low A. He's just going to go straight to where he is age appropriate, because they're only going to be throwing him one or two innings at a time anyway. Unless some team really wants to give him a shot as a starter, which I don't think that's happening. Just depends on yeah. who drafts him. But regardless, like. Yeah, you can still see that in college baseball, if only because, again, the priorities are very different down there. But I wonder how much that changes, too, because, you know, you do have a part of I see Keith Law do this a lot. And I think it's it's top of mind for a lot of evaluators and for a lot of baseball analysts and for a lot of people care about the sport. You know, how much longer are colleges going to get away with doing that? How much longer a college is going to get away with having a guy throw 120 pitches or more in an outing or bringing a guy back on two days rest to, to close out a game or just to pitch the first few innings of a I, I mean, obviously, the College World Series um, complicates that because like the playoffs, you know, you just have to do whatever you can to survive in advance. But I do wonder if we're going to reach a point where somewhere, I mean, and maybe it's already happening. Again, I'm not clued into the college game. But where we get to the point where we stop seeing guys go that long in college games, too, and then as it you know trickles further on down into high school games, into uh, into uh, travel ball, into the into the you know into that circuit, you know at what point we basically just stop developing starters as guys who go more than four or five innings at a time, and baseball becomes a game where it's just it really is just about who has a deeper overall pitching staff and a flexible pitching staff, you know that can be used kind of as on an as needed basis
0: yeah i don't know i think it's gonna depend like what you're seeing now a little bit is that like tennessee treats their first round prospect guys differently where it's like there's more safety where it's like hey we're gonna take care of you because you also it's a recruiting thing like you want to take care of and i think players all know that like they know this guy's going first round so he's getting more protection than someone who has no chance of getting drafted or is not an early-round pick. So it's like we saw that over the weekend. I think it was Georgia Tech's arm. He was like he threw 100-and-something pitches last weekend. And um, he was kept he kept going, and they left him in because, like, you go to the bullpen, it was over. Like, Tennessee was going to mash whoever they put in for this guy. And he was. Right. I'm sure you have those conversations where you're like, how are you feeling? And because again, if yeah, we you, pull you, like, this is it. Like, you, well, and that's this, the
1: thing. Like, you only have so many options as a college coach yeah. as to what you can do. And like you said, there are players where there are some players you're going to treat them better, but there are some players where it's like, yeah, man, like. Especially, and I think there probably are guys too who. I'm gonna understand, be an accountant after this, like. Yeah, it's uh, like whatever they understand they're, they're not going pro. This is their this is where they top out, and they're probably you know I don't know what conversations they have with their coaching staff, but it's probably like, hey, listen, you don't have to baby me, like. Yeah. You know, I'll pitch as many, and like these are all great A hyper competitive dudes too. Yes. Like they do not want they do not not want to pitch, so. But I I do think it'll be interesting to see now that, you know, we've seen this in Major League Baseball where guys, you know, we we do not get uh, Jim Maloney's anymore, is to what extent that's going to start rippling down into college ball, into high school ball, into all levels of amateur baseball um, and what that means going forward as to, you know, will we ever i think it's just like
0: okay to admit that like hey baseball's changing and it's part of it and like we have no Base- saying mean, in baseball this has but has to
1: change baseball can't stay static forever the sport has to change and if nothing else the sport will be changed by external forces like money yeah. science uh culture like all these things do have an impact two things can on be true john grows. you're not gonna
0: believe this two things can be true where there's some nuance involved where it's like hey this is probably better for pitchers and players in this game and also not as good for the fans it's just not like like, well that's
1: i think the frustrating thing is so many of the the innovations and things that are new to the game do feel like they are not particularly fan-friendly like right defensive shifts uh more bullpen usage those things are all they exist because
0: they're smart and better baseball yeah they (laughs) Mm -hmm. they
1: they are they are designed to get outs more efficiently and the whole point of a baseball game is to get 27 outs you know and, and win the ball game so yeah yeah, I mean we I mean we could have a whole long conversation about how the the extra efficiency of baseball is not particularly aesthetically pleasing and it's probably doing a at least has an impact, I don't know how big an impact on, you know, on on fan approval on, you know, attention on all that stuff, but yeah, it's I mean it if is, you're the
0: Pirates, it helps to have if you have an arm, a starter who is like you have to you want to come see cuz it's a marketing thing. Where if you have a young Garrett Cole who is going 7 to 8, even if it's a losing effort, like, it's still better when those guys have, like, you, you're a bad team and you still have someone who is a must-see attraction for yeah, uh, no, they're a bad recognizable, team.
1: And I, and I think this is something that I remember with the Orioles in the, in the depths of their tanking phase, yeah. where it's like, what are you offering these fans when they come to the ballpark right. and they see a dude on the mound who they don't know and is only going to last three or four mostly crappy innings? I mean, it's, it's hard. I don't know where, I don't know how as a team you kind of figure that out, especially because there's also the element to it that, you know, you let that pitcher, you let that starter throw seven innings on the regular if you have that guy, guess what? He's going to get more and more expensive more quickly as mm-hmm. time goes on. You know, those guys are the ones who make the most money. It is not at all a coincidence that an era of of maximized financial efficiency in baseball also, co- also coincides with baseball becoming what feels like an increasingly faceless game in terms of You know, at least in terms of the starting pitcher, like the opener is not just a strategy designed to win ballgames. It is a strategy designed to keep costs down by by lessening your depend by your dependence on those big name starters who cost the most money. And by and by essentially creating that endless churn of players that is just more cost effective overall. You know, there's less service time being going around there. More guys are picking up a greater share of innings. You know, that is. That's all part and parcel of it. That is that is what baseball's decision makers want the sport to be. They want it to be not just more efficient on the field, but they want it to be more efficient financially. And stuff like that goes a big way toward making it more more efficient financially, you know.
0: Yeah. Um and happier news, John. The Braves are actually not going to lose another baseball game. I don't know if you heard this. Did you see this? Did you hear about this? I mean, I know they
1: lost the second baseman.
0: Okay. That was that was <laughs> not necessary but hey you know what like it sucks fractured foot for ozzy um you can't replace him they're gonna struggle without ozzy in that spot for a while uh they just call they recalled um phil goslin yeah goose so i we'll... i
1: didn't i keep for like phil Gosselin is the most like i keep thinking that's the name of like a i guess it's because it's the same name as the that john and kate people where is their last name goslin something like that
0: are you talking about that John and Kate plus 8 or yeah, the, the those, gigantic Yeah, those family? reality couple weirdos. Yeah. I, I
1: Either way, I just every yeah. time I see his name, I just have a weird moment where it's like that's not a that's not a real person.
0: Goose. Sorry, the goose sorry is to loose. Yeah. Um, must
1: always have one crappy utility infielder at all times.
0: Where is Kelly Johnson when you need him?
1: Where's Charlie Culberson when you need him?
0: Charlie he was hey, clutch Charlie? That guy. I would kill for some Charlie Culberson right now.
1: Do you think he went when he went out, he introduced himself to people as Dansby Swanson? Hmm. Like, do you think he tried to pass off as Dansby? Because he really could.
0: He really could. I don't know. It's a good question.
1: But anyway, Braves are good now.
0: Braves are really good right now. Um, They're hitting. I, I will say people are leaning in a little bit too much. Uh, look, Matt Olson, fellow Partby kid. Shout out to the Partby Panthers and the great baseball program we got uh, for the alma, alma mater. But... He's not an all-star first baseman. I, I always think it's kind of funny when I see, like, the teams pushing all, like, oh, uh, the Braves should have the whole all-star infield. Uh, that should be where we're at. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> no, like, we don't have to do this. Like, that's not a thing that we have to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm also like, am I just a weird fan where I, I could never sign my name to it? Where I'm like, have you seen the first baseman grouping this year? Like, he's just not even in the conversation based on what he's done to this point. Like, he's been good. He hasn't been great. He's been good, but he's just not an all-star this year. Matt Olson. he has a lot of time. He's locked up long-term, but he's not a he's not an all-star this year. He hasn't had an all-star type year, but um, the Rays are good. Michael Harris has been a huge shot in the Army. It's his first home run this week. Um, he's been great. Acuna is 100% back. Um, Dansby is probably the biggest crazy outlier of all of this, is that him in the two-hole is just... Uh, he's... He's really good right now. Like, I, it's not sustainable. I think a lot of folks are like, got to pay him. Like, p- people who are worried about Liberty Media paying Dancy Swanson uh, this offseason, like, okay, let's let's calm down. Like, l- there's still a lot of bats remaining here where it's like, this is great. And he's a big reason why the Braves are, what, five games back, five and a half now of the Mets. Uh, they made up a bunch of ground there. I My gut tells me they're probably leading this division by uh, July, but we'll see um they're just they're clicking all across the board and it max freed has been sensational uh spencer strider's good i'm curious to see what his long-term upside is here but you know the braves been a really really good baseball team for a while now and i am not certain they lose in the month of june john can't say can't say i'm certain of it
1: I, I appreciate this particularly bold stance on your part. I mean, they, they've they got two more games against the Nationals and followed yes. by three against the Cubs, so they definitely shouldn't lose until next week at this point. Right. Uh, the interesting thing to me is, looking at Atlanta's schedule going forward, after that, uh, they finished that stretch against going to Washington and going to Chicago, a really big seven-game series at home against both the Giants and the Dodgers, followed by a three-game series at the resurgent Phillies. Um, And then, of course, the really, really big one right before the All-Star break, um, or not right before, but just right before, a three-game series with the Mets at home starting Mm. July 11th. So, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, as you mentioned, is they have cut that division lead in half. Um, They have significantly improved their playoff chances per uh, Jay Jaffe wrote a very uh, thorough look at, you know, how the Braves have have come back into this race. Acuna is obviously a lot of it. Michael Harris, as you mentioned, is a lot of it. Uh, the rotation, which has been good, mostly aside from Ian Anderson and Charlie Morton, who have been pretty meh. But, yeah. you know... But that's they're... a good
0: spot to be in, where you're like the the young guys who you... Uh, in Kyle Wright not being someone you could count on before the season, and now he's someone you're, you're in. He's 12 starts in. Like, Kyle Wright's for real.
1: Yeah. But, I, again, like... Through the, by the at the end of May, the Braves had a 16 percent, roughly 16 percent chance to win the NL East and a 60 percent chance of making the playoffs per our odds at Fangraphs. Now, after this 12 game win streak, or in the middle of, or amid this 12 game win streak, because it's not over yet, uh, their division odds have climbed all the way to 34 percent and hmm. their playoff odds are all the way up to 83. Uh, so this is, I mean, this is substantial. They have made a really substantial move back into this. What's also uh, worth noting about this is they've done it at the same time as the Phillies have gotten hot. You know, they won last mm. nine of their last ten. Uh, they are now only eight and a half games back in the division and three and a half games back of a wild card spot. So, a very needed, necessary surge for Atlanta because, I mean, look, I, were the are were the Mets going to be this good all season? Probably not. There will be there will be regression. There will be ebbs and flows. But they couldn't come into July still trailing the division by double digits. You know, they, it, it's really unlikely they were going to be able to pull off the same trick twice. Mm. Um, I mean, granted, they will hopefully now at least have Acuna for the rest of the season, as opposed to last year where they had to cobble together an outfield on the fly. Um, but yeah, th- this is this is a really big a really big winning streak for them to get them back into that conversation, and also to start raising the question now of like, okay, well, now what do we what do we do next? You know, if you know, looking at this team. What still needs to improve for them to go from, okay, we're back in the conversation to now we're actually you know back to being the division favorites and being real contenders and and what have you. Um, you know, what what is kind of missing for this team right now, if anything? I mean one the one thing that stands out to me is that you know that bullpen that was so integral in bringing a World Series to Atlanta last year, it really it has not really been the same. I mean, Kenley Jansen has been has been great uh, since coming over. AJ Minter continues to be great, yep. but they're down Tyler Matzik right now. He was uh, bad though. Was Will down, Smith yeah. has been. Will Smith bad. was not great last year, but he has been worse this year. Yeah, uh, they have lost Luke Jackson for the year after he blew out his elbow. Strider was a guy I. I mean, I maybe could have been a kind of impact relief guy. Obviously, they're gonna you know use him as a starter to see how that goes. But you know, it, I think for me it's a question of okay, now what are the pieces that are still needed to to turn this from simply a winning streak into the start of actual contention again. Um, or, or is it something as simple as Would you as the,
0: rather invest this summer in uh, another dependable arm, like starter, or would you rather just add to the I, bullpen? I mean, I
1: don't know. It obviously depends on It depends on health, most of, more importantly than everything. It depends on whether Anderson and Morton uh, can get back on track. Yeah. It depends. And then the wild card being Soroka. Yeah, that, and that's I was going to say. It also depends on what, if anything, Mike Soroka can contribute, because truthfully, it doesn't really seem like there's much the farm system has can yield anymore at this point. I don't, I don't think we're seeing a young guy coming out of there. Who's really going to make a, a, an emphatic difference, but
0: Soroka might be back in less than a month.
1: To me, at least it's also a question of, you know, was what is more legit in a sense, you know, is it the first two months of the season where the Braves did just look completely lost and finished, or is it these last two weeks where, I mean, granted they're not going to go undefeated for the rest of the year, but you know, is what what is closer to their t- to their true talent level? And like you said, losing Albies is going to hurt, and it's you know it's it's going to especially because you know they've already ruled him out for the next two months. uh I, do I mean, not a foot think fracture ex-
0: like it's going to stay with him. Like Albies is not going to be 100 the rest of this year. Like Jared Dickey just went to Tennessee's outfield. Like running on it, they're going to be extremely careful. Like that's yeah, just that's such a- an easy thing to exacerbate that problem. That. That takes a full off-season of rehab and, like, rest. That's a good point.
1: This is, unfortunately, now probably a lost season for Ozzy Alves, which is a real shame. But... You know, given what they already have in play. I mean, I guess that's the thing. Like, do you, if that's the case, do the Braves then decide, okay, we need to go get help at second base because we can't just use Orlando Arcee and Phil Gosselin there. You know, that's not, that's simply not good enough.
0: There's no one in the pipeline who can be elevated to that spot. There's just no one there. I mean, maybe you go after Kevin Biggio. Like, he's not a starter in Toronto. And if they don't see him as a guy, I would would be interested in a Biggio option there. Um, He seems like someone they would target. I don't know. But,
1: the... I mean, yeah, there there are multiple options for the Braves here. I could see even, you know, trying to add some outfield help if Harris slows down. Yeah. Um, and if Adam Duvall slows back down, because it's really I think clear Marcelo.
0: It's like 375. So I think he's going to come down to earth a little bit. Yeah.
1: It, I mean, it's really clear Marcelo Zun is not an answer out there. Um, not no. really an answer to anything. Well, Duvall's but... hitting
0: a little bit now, though.
1: But, yeah, so it's. I, I will be interested to see now what the Braves do next. If nothing else, they have put themselves in position where, you know, they're going to be active at the deadline, I think, and they're going to be active buyers, I think. Not that not that I ever really saw this Braves team selling. I mean, there would have been really no reason for them. They were even with all this, they were still within they were still in wild card uh in wild card position, and this pretty well cements them because as we talked about last week, there are not there are like thirteen total good teams in baseball. <laughs> but it's. I think what'll be interesting to watch over the next month and a half is where do the Braves decide they need that upgrade, and how do they go about getting it? Because is if, is F, if as you said, like the farm system is not really in a place to produce the help that they need right away, like does that mean that the farm system is not in a place to produce the pieces needed to make a trade? You know, is it? I something mean, you have guys like, like
0: Drew Waters. Like you wish Drew Waters could play second base, right? I mean, now. I
1: think it says a lot to me that the Braves went with Harris directly over Waters. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not, I mean, and you saw like, you know, Pache obviously was part of a big deal for a big player, but I wonder if the Braves are at the same place with Waters that they were with Pache, which is the offense is just never going to be there enough Mm. for him to be a regular, but regardless, I it's, it's definitely, it's definitely going to make, I'm glad at least that it, it will make the NL East a little more interesting going forward. Um, I don't really think anyone in baseball, except, I guess, in this case, Mets fans, benefit from a team holding a double-digit lead wire-to-wire, wire, essentially. You know that, That's not fun for anybody. The Braves and the Braves and the Phillies coming back to life is, is a good thing overall.
0: Yeah, um, but we'll see. I, I think it's fine. I think we're moving in the right direction. I think the Braves will be fine um, going forward. I mean, hey, they may never lose again, like I've said. Um, so. Who will not be fine is the Detroit Tigers, who lost Casey Mize for not only the rest of this year but he's gone next year too just a blow for the tigers and this poor kid man i mean just that's a bummer yeah, like he's gone for a long time and this just sucks like i things, don't know what you do with you the tigers
1: things are going real sour there i mean like you said Mize is done for at least the next 16 or so months thanks to tommy john um I think more importantly, is like the moves they made in the offseason, in particular, Javi Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez have really just not worked out. Baez Do we know what's been, going on with Eduardo? There is some speculation um, that I'm, you know, it, it, for all, from what I understand, it is a personal matter. And, you know, I, I just feel personally like it, it's just it feels very weird to talk about these guys' yeah. personal lives or something like that. But he even when he was available, he was not producing very much. Um, you know, now there's a question of if he comes back at all this year and what that looks like. Baez has been a, a straight-up disaster at the plate, um, and it's obviously like the, the whole worry with Baez was, or has been, given his abysmal plate discipline and uh, just overall, you know.
0: John, they're all been they've been awful everywhere. Like, yeah, Remy I mean that's Castro, the thing. I don't, I don't Tucker want to Barnhart, Austin Baez, Meadows, Baez. All,
1: everyone on this team is bad right now. There is
0: Spencer Torkelson has a WRC plus of sixty-nine right now, twenty-seven percent K percentage.
1: Yeah, the, everything that needed to go right for the Tigers yes. has gone wrong. They've lost their young pitch. And, not, and it's not just Mize. It's 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 Matt Manning being injured. Yep. It's uh, you know, it, it is. I mean, Tariq School at the very least has looks. I mean. I guess that's the thing. The number of successes you can count for the Tigers this season, you could probably do it on one hand if if you even need that many fingers. Um, Yeah, everything that needed to go right has gone wrong. Baez has has not produced. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez has not produced. Torkelson has looked completely overmatched. Uh, Riley Green broke his foot early before the season, right before the season started, and is only just now getting to a point where it looks like he might be back soon. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the young pitching has gotten hurt. The bullpen has been. I mean, who cares about a bullpen on a bad team? You know? <laughs> Miggy Carrera got to 3,000 hits, but has looked otherwise like, pretty much like the Miggy Carrera of the last few years, which is to say very old and fossilized, you know. Um, they're still rolling out a lot of guys there like Willie Castro or like, you know, just got sent down but Derek Hill or like, you know, Robbie Grossman, where it's just there's just not really a lot of ceiling there. And they just feel like they're just placeholders as opposed to something, you know, kind of the next big thing in Detroit. Um, like, there are summers granted, like, just
0: like, are we trading Michael Pineda? Great. that Go Tigers. And, that, like, and that's, that's the thing.
1: It. There's not really anything that this team can do in terms of improving themselves with regards. Like, buying to make this team better would take an enormous effort. And quite frankly, is not something I expect the Tigers to do. Selling? There's not really anything. Like you said, there's not really anything to sell. Unless someone's deeply interested in Jonathan scope or, or Michael Pineda or Gregory Soto, who I suppose the tigers could make available since i don't really know the point of you know this of of keeping around a a relatively good closer in a bad season like yeah but yeah it's i mean i think if you're a tigers fan the hope is that you know next year if players are healthy of the uh, torkelson has development under his belt if riley green has development under his belt you know if they're bad they'll get a good pick in next year's draft too for whatever that's worth um but yeah, this th- this is like the Tigers have a real problem right now. That roster is simply not good enough. What did Carlos I,
0: Correa know that lunch <laughs> he had with uh, AJ Hinch? He was like, "Oh, I've got a bad feeling about this one." Well, uh, I, you're gonna have to go with Javier Baez, sir. I, I, I'm taking I my talents to Minnesota.
1: I do wonder if this season marks the end of this particular front office's tenure in Detroit. They've the been Allen, there a
0: sneaky long time.
1: And I think at, at a certain point, like you know, granted, this is ownership has not really changed. It's still the Illich family. You know, now it's yeah. just, it's Chris instead of Mike. Um, son instead of father, but I I don't know how you can look at what Alavila has done as a general manager there and decide that he should continue on forward. I I don't really see what the you know what 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 is the reason you know what this off season again was a disaster for Detroit. Mm. You know I I know that you know we didn't hate it at the time, but it it didn't feel like enough of an off season, and the players they targeted simply aren't producing. And the young players they brought up aren't producing. Pitcher development in that in Detroit seems to have gone completely haywire. You know, we're talking about, granted, you know, Mize getting hurt is not the fault of the player development staff. Matt Manning getting hurt is not the fault of the player development staff. But they are not producing the way we expect and we heard about their minor league rotation. like, oh, we have Casey Mize and Matt Manning and Alex Fado and, and Tariq Skubal. And I was like, you're supposed to be better than this then. Mm-hmm. So I, I do wonder if we're getting at a point where just there needs to be a different leadership in Detroit to try to I don't know, figure out a different path maybe, but I, I don't really know where you go with this team because there's not, I mean, I guess on the on the plus side for Detroit, with the exception of, I guess now Cabrera, with the exception of Cabreras, you know, has, has been the case for a while. And now with to a certain degree, uh, Rodriguez and Baez, there's not a ton of money on the books going forward. This is not some situation where they' they're stuck in what the you know the baseball equivalent of, of salary cap hell yeah they can Um, spend again this winter they can spend again this winter you know and they'll and the guys that they're losing to free agency are not guys that they're really going to miss barnhart pineda grossman scope andrew chafin uh you know michael fulmer you know these these are not guys who who are are pieces of the next great tigers team the question is who are those pieces (laughs) who is identifying them and why hasn't it worked so far yeah i mean like just as they're about to start getting out from under Carrera's contract, you know, his last guaranteed contract year is next year, uh, followed by vesting options that he's almost certainly not going to reach. Well, great. Now, guess how much Bias is owed from 2023 onward? It's not pretty. Yeah. It is. A I mean, the Baez, like he's a tiger for life. Dollars.
0: Yeah, that man is a tiger for a long period of
1: time. Yeah. a $140 million. Total. But
0: see, like that's the thing too. It's like the hindsight. It's like we were fine with it. It's like, hey, the Tigers are trying. Baez, yeah. good. No, it's, it's fine. A good but it,
1: I guess that's the thing. Like, if this, if what you're do, if what you did last offseason didn't work, mm-hmm. um, and it very clearly has not worked, what is the next step here? You know, what who of who of the guys who has got card?
0: Dave Dombrowski's cell phone number? on speed dial because it's time to get him in to jumpstart this thing we'll trade avila but it, for it, it's Dembrowski. also just stuff
1: like like there are just so many things like what happened with akil badu for just, just one example like he was so great for them last year such an unexpected yeah. piece this year got pushed to the margins for no real discernible reason didn't really mm-hmm. get much in the way of consistent playing time and then gets sent down afterward and it's like okay well what what is it what exactly is the plan here yeah, you know that that really should not have happened. It's it's amazing. I'm just looking at the Tigers lineup right now. They have two, two semi regulars over, over 100 in Yeah, that's a, that's astonishing. But like again, like are you should you expect better from Willie Castro or Derek Hill or a or a 30 year old Jonathan Scope or or yeah. Harold Castro? Like no, these are not building blocks for the future. I think if anything, when we looked at the Tigers, what we kind of miss was yeah, they've made some additions, but the baseline of that roster is simply not good. Right. You know, there's a reason that this team was as bad as it was last year. You know, there's an 85 loss team and, you know, worse the year before that and worse the year before that. Like this is, there's not, there was not a whole, a large baseline of talent here really to work with. And I think that's going to be the thing for Detroit going forward is how do you add more talent, particularly given that the player development side doesn't really seem to be producing. You know, again, the, this is not to say that Torkelson is is done and finished and can never be successful going forward, but he's had a really really rough start.
0: Almost so, 200 plate appearances and they've been bad.
1: They've been awful, you know. Yeah. And again, with the pitching like, you know, Scooble and Fado are the lone success stories right now in terms of and I guess in the bullpen Alex Lang who's been terrific. But otherwise, you're not really you you have not really created a renewable Affordable base of talent here because the answer for this team is not going to be as simple as going out and doing whatever it is they do in free agency next year Mm. you know that that's simply not going to be the case it's going to be you know who can we develop from or who who are the pieces from within who are going to help us get there because they they just simply need more from what they've already got um and that's going to be tough because the pieces they've got to it's you know it's it's you know what gear is there left for Aust- is is there another gear for Austin Meadows like is Torkelson able to take that next step What are we What are we going to see out of Riley Green when he finally debuts You know it's 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 going to be tough The Tigers are in a really tough place right now and I do think I I, I do think this might actually be the end of Alavila Like I hmm. I just I'm just not seeing like there what there are not enough success stories so to speak on this roster to make up for the fact that this team is you know, really just not good, you know, and then no real hope of contending this
0: year either. Go Tigers. Um, Go Tigers. John Matt or John Madden, Joe Madden, uh, the, the just an unbelievable ending to what happened in LA. On a lighter note, he gets a Mohawk to change gears here in Los Angeles, and he's fired before he's able to reveal the Mohawk to his team, man. How brutal, brutal yeah. ending for Madden, man.
1: Rally Mohawk, never seen. It's the saddest sorts of short story ever written god again we need I, a picture. I it never came I, out right we never saw it no i had said before that the tommy fam jock peterson fantasy football dust up was the funniest story in baseball this year never mind joe madden
0: mm. getting a
1: mohawk and never even getting a chance to unveil it which which also means that was when he was in the meeting getting let go mm-hmm. was he just sitting there with a mohawk uh,
0: yes like did Harry manassian
1: yes. and company were just were they just like uh what's with the okay um you're fired but like i i I want video of joe madden sitting through his dismissal with with a mohawk like i that image is so perfect to me and so perfectly encapsulates his wacky stepdad nonsense that like man how do you do fellow kids what do you what a beautiful image he very much is how do you do fellow kids and what's the
0: craziest hairstyle you ever did john
1: i've never done a crazy one I've no? never no, my hair's always been pretty much the same forever. I've never, never grown I, I don't it out? have No, I don't I don't really have the ability to grow it out. It just kinda grows up like okay. froze. Interesting. Um, but I've never But you never I've, did that though. I never did that though. No, I, I don't I don't like the way it looks. It just looks too just too much and it just gets too hairy and fuzzy. I, I look just like a cotton ball more than anything.
0: Okay. But I,
1: I've never I've never done the Mohawk though. I've never never had the chance to do that.
0: I never did a Mohawk growing up, um, but I did do, I had frosted tips. Uh, I did the frosted tips. I did the highlights. Mm, um, very good. definitely, uh, young chase, man. There were some looks, uh, um, <laughs>
1: frosted tips is very A-Rod. I mean, Hey,
0: look, I had the chain, the frosted tips. Um, it was, it was a look, man. I was out here, um, all vibes, all gas, no breaks at uh, trickham middle school for me. Um, is it time, John Taylor, for the Chicago White Sox to fire Coach LaRusa? Is this it? Do you think he gets fired, one? And do you I think mean, it's I, time?
1: I don't think he gets fired, no, because the only person who will make that decision is Jerry Reinsdorf, and Jerry Reinsdorf seems blind to reason and logic mm. right now. And I regardless, I, I think it's something that probably wouldn't happen until the end of the season anyway. Should they? probably i don't know like, i
0: think the season's slipping like this is like oh i'd say the
1: season is very much slipping for the chicago white Sox. They you have, nothing, really, to really
0: you have like, nothing to lose at this point you
1: have nothing to lose i mean the metric in my mind is like what is this manager doing to help the team be better mm-hmm. and in la Russa's case i'm not really sure what the argument is because we all just watched him intentionally walk someone with two <laughs> strikes on purpose like that i mean to me it's not even necessarily the decision itself although the decision is a very very bad decision without any real defense despite mm-hmm. what Larussa in- insists otherwise it's the doubling down on that it's the stubbornness it's the 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 arrogance of I'm Tony Larussa therefore I must be right you know I know more than the rest of you and it's like that's just simply not that how do, how can you manage like that mm-hmm. especially in this day and age when you are when there's so much information around the game and to how to manage the game and to how to put your players in the best position to succeed. La Russa does not seem like he does that. Yeah. You know, he doesn't seem to trust young players. It's, it's telling to me that amidst all of this, Jeremy and Mercedes got um, just straight up let go by the team. Um, and I know, and not like, I mean, you know, he was a big story last year briefly, and I don't necessarily think he was a, a sustainable story, but the way La Russa treated him in particular after that, uh, f- after that whole, mess over him homering on a was it, a three zero pitch like yeah you know, that feels like, like, like forever ago out yeah like this team doesn't seem to do a very good job handling young players uh la Russa's bullpen management seems very just not it just doesn't seem to uh, this doesn't seem to hold any logic to it it just seems to Kopech's be basic. gone Uh, It seems to be just based on whims. Like, granted, they're getting crushed by injuries right now. Yes. But at the same time, like, this is not... This does not seem like a manager who knows how to get the most out of the squad, nor does it seem like a manager who's particularly in touch with what's going on with this team. Mm -hmm. You know, this does not seem like... The the White Sox don't seem like a particularly happy bunch. And it's not a surprise that that that's the case, given their cranky, septuagenarian manager who thinks it's a good idea to intentionally walk guys on a two-strike count. Like... I, I don't know. I mean, you, you can you can definitely see. I, I wonder if the White Sox look at what happened with the Phillies uh, in particular with Joe Girardi, another guy who's is very set in his ways and def- definitely did not seem to have the clubhouse behind him, and wonder, you know, is that us as well? But I don't know. I, I, I just don't see it happening, though, if it, because, again, this is Jerry Reinsdorf's call. It's very much not Rick Hahn's call, um, just as it was Jerry Reinsdorf's call to hire Tony Larusa, And... I think that's going to make it that much harder for the White Sox to move on from him because there's only one guy making that decision, and he's Tony La Russa's friend. You know, it, it's—but no, I, I, I don't—if I'm in charge of the White Sox, no. I mean, Tony La Russa's not there in the first place, but he's especially not there anymore. You know, there's—what has he done or shown over the course of the season to make you think that he is the right man to lead this team going forward?
0: If I was a White Sox fan, I'd be so pissed off about all of this right Oh, now. They,
1: the ones i know online are very very pissed off you know like they, this
0: is just a nightmare there is no excuse for this team not to be the best team in the al central and to be contending over during this run with this group like it's just it, i and would it's, be it's furious. a combination it's,
1: combina- it's a combination of cheapness on the part of mm. ownership it's a combination of poor planning on the part of the front office and I think it's a combination of, a, of bad managerial choices and decisions by LaRusso. You know, I, I, this needs I to be a not, cleaning.
0: Like, I think it, top to no, bottom, I, I think I, this offseason, you need to start from scratch.
1: I think so. I think, I mean, again, Reinsdorf holds the keys. So, you know, uh, Tony LaRusso goes as far as Reinsdorf thinks he will go. But I would not be surprised if at the very least Rakan is gone at the end of this year if the White Sox uh, continue to struggle like this. Because it, I, I think you're right. Like, it's this team should not be struggling. To this
0: this is the AL Central. Like, it's, it's.
1: even beyond the Elson, yeah. this is a team with so much talent. Right. Like, this, like they it, should it, not be struggling like this. They should yes. not be this bad defensively. They should not be this inept when it comes to hitting right-handers. They should not be, you know, this much of a of a of a depth. They have no depth on that team. Just right. None whatsoever. And, again, a lot of injuries, but you're you're not getting the sense of a team that is well, again, like with the Tigers, you don't get the sense of a team that is well run. You know, just a team that's kind of stumbling from from place to place and trying to figure out how that all works.
0: Oh, Tigers, man. The AL Central, what a dumpster fire. It um, really is. Ryu, gone for the season for the Jays. This is not really a surprise based on how he's been pitching to this point. Um, it has been a struggle for him. Um, Toronto, probably, like, it. they're going to have to do something. Berrios, they're probably still betting on, bouncing back. Like, he's still got... like the expectation should be that he'll figure it out and he'll bounce back and uh, we'll be better down the stretch. But in terms of where they go now, I I'm curious cause he's a high priced guy and he has been a really good player for them and a really good pitcher in this league for a while. But I don't know, like this is, this is fascinating because I think they need another starter. They're an extremely good ball club. They can obviously hit all across the board, but they need more depth in this rotation now. And I'm curious, like they call up the guy that right after we get off the podcast, you texted me and you're like, Oh, guess who just got called up. Uh, And that's just how it works uh, with podcasting and all that kind of stuff. But I'm so curious. Do you think it's, it's a situation where Jansen, who I think was Ryu's primary catcher. Am I, do I have that? right? I,
1: I don't know off the top of my head. No,
0: I think it was though. I'm pretty certain it was him. And if Ryu's gone, that makes a Jansen trade probably a little bit easier, but...
1: I mean, I, I still don't think they move Jansen, if only because, again, they, they don't... Like, Alejandro Kirk is not really a catcher. I mean, he's a yeah. catcher, but he's not a great catcher, and I don't really know that the Jays want to put themselves in a position where they're catching tandem is dude who's not a great defensive catcher and rookie. That's really, really tough. Mm. Um, so, no, I, I don't really see that. Again, I even with Moreno getting called up earlier than you know than I predicted... I still don't think this is a situation that resolves itself until the off season because it also is just going to be much easier to move a catcher then unless there's a team out there right now desperate for catching help that will give whatever the Blue Jays want for uh, for Janssen. Yeah, it was
0: Jansen, by the way, with Ryu. There. Um,
1: I think the bigger question for the Jays is, like you said, you know, now that Ryu is officially gone, and regardless of whether he has full Tommy John or partial, he's almost certainly not pitching again. Or if he has full Tommy John, he's not pitching against the season. If he has partial, he's also still not pitching against yeah. the season. Like
0: it's over. You write him off for this yes. year.
1: So your rotation right now is Kevin Gaussman, Jose Barrios, Alec Manoa, Yusei Kikuchi, and Ross Stripling. Who's been Stripling has been very good since taking over for Ryu in the rotation. But you just but don't want to go
0: into the postseason betting on Ross Stripling.
1: No, and you, there's also no depth behind that, and we still yeah. have a lot of seasons still left. The Blue Jays, Blue Jays minor league, uh, upper minor leagues, does not really have much in the way of starting depth. Um, I think the big X factor here, as he has been seemingly for the last like two and a half years, is Nate Pearson. Hmm. and what the blue jays think they can get out of him, what role would be best for him, et cetera. Um, but right now, you know, he is still working his way back from mononucleosis that he had contracted over the spring and he's never a guy that the jays have been able to rely on before given all his even in- all his injury issues particularly with his arm. So, no, this is not this is not a situation I think where the jays can just sit back and go, "Oh, okay, we'll be fine, you know, we'll just make it work." I think they probably are going to add some starting pitching depth, but I think given the presence of Gaussman and Manoa and Barrios, they probably don't feel the need to add an ace level arm. I think they might be one of those teams that you know when we, when we talked about like Jose Quintana last week. Maybe this is one of those teams that, that looks at Quintana as guys, you know, just someone in the back of the in the back of the rotation or who's around who can give them four or five innings. Part of that's going to depend on health. Part of that is going to depend on. Um, how much they, you know, what role they prefer for Stripling, whether they want him to be a starter, whether they want him to be a reliever, whether you know what kind of starter or reliever they want him to be. But I do think with Ryu gone, the Blue Jays are almost certainly going to have to add some kind of starting depth, one way or the other.
0: Tucker because, Davidson for Kevin Biggio, Who says, who says no?
1: no. Every both both parties. I don't. I don't know if either side wants to make that mm. deal. <laughs> but I, I I don't think that they can make because right now their rotation is. You know, they have a five-man rotation, but there is not really a viable six-starter kind of waiting in the wings for them, you know, unless they unless they think Pearson is ready a lot sooner or is, is already ready or if they're ready to uh, try stuff like Casey Lawrence or Bowden Francis or go back to guys like Anthony Kay and Thomas Hatch who have, you know, gotten shots in the past, especially with other teams that have never really been able to make them work. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I, I do think that the loss of Ryu will make Toronto do something with regards to adding some starting pitching depth. I just think it's going to be something closer to like a four five arm as opposed to a one, two, or three guy.
0: Twins, because they can also not have nice things. Man, AL Central, a lot of, lot of crap this week. A lot of problems uh, thrown, to the AL Central. Uh, to the AL Central. Um, Royce Lewis, gone. Um, not Byron That's Buxton, but Royce Lewis, another so crappy situation. For him.
1: He, the fact that it's the, it's the same, it's another ACL injury, yeah. it's another lost year for him, and a total calendar year, 12 months, it's so brutal. And he was playing so well, too. Yeah. I mean, it's just illustrative, too, of just the Twins have just had to deal with so many injuries. You know, we, we talked about this last week, and, and I think previously, too, that, like, what they have done in the faceball that's really, really remarkable. They've had some tremendous depth, but now they're starting to lose that depth, too. Like, Royce Lewis was a big part of that. You know, he was a guy who, excuse me, he was a guy who could and did plug in for Carlos Correa when he was out. You know, yes. Someone who maybe could have offered them some outfield depth in case Buxton got hurt again, or if something happens with Max Kepler who's never been a picture of, of, of perfect health or with, um, you know, the other players they have floating around the outfield. It's, it's really tough. And is a it crazy
0: point, that like he has two ACL, like that's just one of those things. He's in great shape. He d- doesn't it's, like, well, it's, it's like, just it's
1: like, it's like Soroka tearing the same yeah. tearing as Achilles tendon twice. It's, I mean I guess that's a thing It's just those unexplainable. Things, well those things I um, there's probably an no association to those things when surgically repaired are just never going to be as strong as they originally were and that the mm. the possibility or or chance of re-injury is by default higher. But no it's it's a really crappy break for Lewis it's just really bad luck. And you do wonder to, like when the twins reach the point where they just cannot survive all these injuries anymore. Yeah. I mean they've they've survived them thus far and it obviously helps that, you know, Chicago has been a, a walking disaster. But you know, Cleveland is right there, and you know is certainly not does. I don't think has the ceiling that Minnesota does, but they don't you know, want to be there. They don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, this, are we going to get a real life major league situation where they're just going to start cutting like everything going forward? Oh my god! The, everyone's they're going to have a picture of Paul Dolan in a in a bikini just up in the up in the clubhouse, just taking pieces off of it one at a time.
0: That's the most twenty twenty two state of major league baseball. Uh, scenario that we could also put together that's also maybe a possibility like i want cleveland to just be forced into winning the al central this year that Yeah, so would they can be... just sit
1: there and be like we don't want this we don't, we don't want, want the playoffs. this yeah do you know how much more money it costs <laughs> in the playoffs but yeah uh, it's it's definitely a question of like how much more the twins depth can really you know, survive. Like yeah. they've lost so much. Like and like the guys that they've been relying on. You know, Chichi Gonzalez, Tyler Thornburg. You know, Yenier Kano, whoever that was. Mm-hmm. You know, they have had to pull really, really deep. And at a certain point, you just not either you run out of options, or you know, you roll you roll a die you roll a dice enough times. Sometimes one is going to come up. That's just math. You know, some of these guys just aren't going to work out. They're not going to produce. They're not going to give you what you need. I mean, the the lucky thing I guess for the Twins is you look at their their full lineup right now, and you know, yeah, they're down Miguel Sano, um, they are down um, they are down Lewis now, but otherwise, you know, they have for the most part a a good enough solid starting lineup with you know with productive players that they can make this work. You know, it's just going to be a, a the big question for me one is the rotation um, mm-hmm. because that rotation is just bad right now. It is it. This was a concern going into the season it looked better for a little bit there but it is it has gone back to being a real real problem for the twins and they really need to do something about that um but also just i mean again you look at their injured list it's no royce lewis uh, sonny Gray's back now but bailey ober chris paddock Kent Ameda, randy dobnak josh winder uh jorge acala danny colombe like there's a lot of guys on there There are a lot of guys on there and some of them are obviously more more useful than others but it, they are really having to dip deep into their farm system and into into the into minor league free agency to, to fill these holes. And at a certain point you just you just run out of bodies. And I'm starting to worry that the twins are just getting closer and closer to that point where they just don't have enough they don't have enough bodies to make it through. And again, you're already seeing that in the rotation, you know? Joe Ryan is back and Sonny Gray is back, but the next three starters in that group are Dylan Bundy, Devin Smelter, and Chris Archer. That's really, really bad. That's not gonna do it. So yeah, but um, uh, yeah, just the main thing. It just, it just sucks for Lewis. It's always rough to see a guy deal with something like that. I felt I felt the same. a talented
0: guy too. Yeah, I felt the same about Kyle
1: Lewis too, coming back yeah. from that knee injury he had, and then immediately suffering a concussion. You know, it's just this game is really unfair sometimes. You know, especially for I guys mean, look who at, have I mean struggled. even
0: uh, what's his name? You brought a concussion. Uh, local Loganville kid, uh, Clint Frazier, and like the twin or the Cubs, where that's like one of those where I don't know how you explain defying uh fraser and keeping hayward like that doesn't really that's like one of those things where yeah that's i don't why? I, there
1: must be something else there or something behind the scenes that we don't know about because yeah. on the surface that does not really make any sense that's
0: one of those where I'm like, I, I want to be in the room. Like, explain this to me. Yeah, like, I'm well, fine. I
1: mean, look, I'm, I'm not particularly high on Clint Frazier. I think he's a second But he's But you starter. keep him around between but him but and that's Hayward that's the thing. He's a, he's a young player with some upside, you know, mm-hmm. whereas Hayward, you know what you know what he is at this point, which is to yeah. say a very expensive contract. Um, there's not really anything left Jason Hayward is going to produce for you at this point in time. You know, it's extremely unlikely. So, yeah, I, I, I can't say I really get that one either.
0: Um, we'll end on this, John. Uh, really good piece in Fangraphs this week by old friend Dan Zembrowski on Noah Syndergaard's comeback season and why it's complicated. What uh, would you make of Dan's piece?
1: So, I mean, he makes a point that the main issue with Syndergaard right now is that the strikeouts just aren't there. Mm-hmm. And that makes it a question of, okay, if the strikeouts aren't there, how does Noah Syndergaard go forward, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And part of
1: Dan's piece is noting that, well, without the strikeouts, his projection, Projections, with Dan Zipp's projection system, his projections look very, very, you know, we're talking a, a guy with an ERA over four a projected ERA over four for the next five years. Granted, that's not going to be the Angels problem going forward. Syndergaard's only there on a one-year deal. You know, if they want him back, they can bring him back. If they don't, he goes somewhere else. But it, it's really, and, and the point Dan makes, I think, is a really good one, that you can survive with a low strikeout rate that is not, you know, a career killer. But it does mean that there's no margin for error anymore, and that when you start losing from that point, then you're really, really screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's going to be a matter of how Syndergaard adjusts. One thing Dan points out is that uh, Syndergaard in two strike counts has really struggled, uh, in part because the pitches he you know was such a demon with in two strikes in previously in his career as changeup in a slider, um, they don't seem to be getting the same result, I imagine part of that is just the fastball does not get the same results. Hitters are no longer having to gear up for it in the same way, um, especially because his velocity is not really there anymore. But yeah, it, it does mean that I think we're going to have to see Noah Syndergaard make that transition from being, a cliche, but a thrower into a pitcher. He's going to have to figure out how to get ahead when he doesn't have 99 mile an hour sinkers and 93 mile an hour change-ups and wipe out 95-mile-an-hour sliders. He's going to have to figure out how to get by with diminished stuff. Some dudes can do it. Some dudes can't. And, yeah. It's, do you think he will? I don't know. It, it, it's hard to say now. Um, certainly the results right now don't look good. He's allowing a lot of contact and, again, just not really getting strikeouts. And it's really, really hard to survive as a pitcher that way. But, you know, there's still the rest of the season to go to see if he can figure something out. You know, I, I at least will be interested to see if and if and what Cindergaard changes uh over the course of the rest of the season because i mean that that is the other thing for him like i said he's only here and he's only with the angels on a one-year deal he has to re-enter the free agent market next year and if he's going into it the same pitcher he is right now a guy with a strikeout rate of around six you know an era in the high threes and low fours he's not going to get a whole lot of interest from teams you know they're not going to you're going to texas sir Maybe that's what's best for him. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's hometown. Although he, I don't know. He, I don't know if he was closer to Houston or, or Dallas. As hmm. a, as a Houston. I
0: mean, either would be fine with him.
1: I'm sure either would be fine. But yeah, it's it's definitely going to raise a the question. Then if this is the same Noah Syndergaard we see in the off season, who's still going to be interested in him? And is there going to be another chapter to his career? Because right hmm. now, I mean, the, the Syndergaard we're seeing is not. A, I mean, the Syndergaard we're seeing is no different really than Chris Archer, and. <sighs> You know that Chris Archer is not a guy who looks like he has a particularly long time left in baseball at this point.
0: Mm. John Taylor, what can the good folks check out over at Fangraphs. along with the great piece by Dan? Uh, I know you've got a lot of Braves coverage, so I I, do I appreciate your influence. When Meg's like, we "Hey, are, what should we put on the front page?" and you're like, "Hey, we, we here's are this Braves. We're now thing. y'all
1: graphs. Um, y'all graphs." Even, We're going to have even more Braves coverage coming. Dan is going to have a piece on your boy, Dansby Swanson, uh, looking at his hot streak. And especially in the context of, one, is this sustainable? Two, what does this look like for him going forward? As you mentioned, he is a free agent this offseason. And without looking off the top of my head, I would gather he will probably be one of the better infielders available, um, especially defensively. Although, I don't know. is, Is Swanson a I've, I've, he's, a, I've long... he's an elite defender. He's okay, elite that's defender. what I've thought. But um, beyond that, we will have, or we have, as you mentioned, our Braves coverage. Uh, Eric Longenhagen made a couple changes to his top 100. Michael Harris uh, being a big part of that because our Braves list is not out yet, although it will be coming relatively soon. Um, beyond that, just the usual good fangraph stuff You know, interviews, pieces on the game as it is. Ben Clemens doing weird stat stuff. It's all there, it's all fun. I, I need a day in you. the life
0: of Ben Clements. That's what I want. Uh, video, YouTube, add it to the YouTube page. I guarantee I, I you it'll imagine, get the clicks.
1: I imagine Ben spends a lot of the day staring at the ceiling and yes. before he just kind of goes, I have got it, and then just starts writing something perfect. So that's, exactly. that's what I like to think. Because his story um, idea
0: is like, I would kill to have that. Like when I'm perusing stuff and I'm trying to figure out what, a, and then hit this guy over here, just some weird nugget out of nowhere. You're like, man, that would be great. That would be yeah. great to have a brain that works like that.
1: Yeah, but yeah, come on, come on to fair. I especially recommend folks check out the top 100 thing. Obviously, yeah. as we get more and more into the summer, we're going to get more and more prospect stuff. Um, the big one there that I like is uh, Eric writing about Yuri Perez, a 19 mm. year old Marlins pitcher who's six foot nine, but has uh, struck out or six foot nine now 19, He's throwing 96 98 with really hard sliders. Um, a lot he, Eric has said scouts tell him that you know Perez might be the best pitching prospect in the game right now. So highly well, if there's recommend, one thing the Marlins
0: need. It's more, it's more dominant more, more young good pitching. pitching prospects. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, highly recommend you go check out that piece in particular. If you're a prospect person, um, it's very, very thorough as all of Eric's prospect stuff is, but yeah, come on down to FanGraphs, sign up for a membership while you're here, help support the cool work we're doing. And uh, yeah, come, come check out our baseball stuff. It's good.
0: It is good. Go do that. Subscribe today. Y'all com. People forget. Yeah. Um, there you go. John Taylor, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you next week. All right. That'll do it for hour one here on the Wednesday, June 15th, 2022 edition here on the Chase and Podcast and the Blue Wire Pod Network. Go to bluewirepods.com today and check out all of our great pods uh, all across the Blue Wire Pod Network. So go do that today. That'd be great. Um, if you enjoyed uh, hour one here and you have not already done so, please make sure that you leave this show a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that is indeed how you listen to today's program. Uh, Hour two coming up on all things Pit Panther football in just one second. Uh, But thank you, as always, for spending part of your Wednesday uh, with me. Or if you listen to it later in the week, that's good, too. I just appreciate you making the Chasemus podcast part of your uh, listening schedule. So greatly appreciate it, guys, as always. And uh, I will talk to you all in just one bit. Uncle Derek, how'd I do?